Episode 88 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan and Jamie Eisner. I'm Luke Lipinski. It's the Eric Lindros episode. Gentlemen, that's all I really have for you today. There are no coyotes that were 88? Jamie we didn't began. even look, Jamie did began. But Peter Oh, yeah. Oh, kind of Lindros, like a current one. That's right. A Hall of Famer, though. Controversial Hall of Famer. How is he controversial? People I mean, don't like it. I, well, I mean, the longevity, I guess you could say. He didn't do enough, but while he was in the game... At his height, he was scary good. I feel pretty safe saying almost anything is controversial in this day and age. Okay. So, now you really can't question me if I throw that out there. I Maybe, think that statement's controversial. Yeah, see? I mean, Jamie's got me there. I, I can't argue with him. The only one that isn't a controversial Hall of Famer is Wayne Gretzky. And even Bobby Orr, people will say, well, I never saw him play, so it's controversial. So, anyway, Sierra Glendross episode. We've got the Stanley Cup going. It's now a best of three. Game five is tonight as we record this in Pittsburgh. So, it's possible at... When you listen to this, you will already know what happened in Game 5. But Game 6 on Sunday, and then Game 7 is next Wednesday. It's yes. like we're turning into the NBA Finals here. Yeah, all of a sudden, they finally decided to give teams a rest when there are only two left. It's two beat-up teams. We were talking about this off the air. Do you think it benefits one more than the other? Because the main guys, Ryan Johansson and Chris Letang, aren't coming back if you stretch this out for another month. I, I said earlier, I think this is benefiting Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh was the more beat-up, run-down team in coming into this series. So, uh, and Peter Laviolette said it himself the other day in the in uh, one of the press conferences. He said that he thought it was benefiting the Penguins to get some rest. But that's I, I don't mind that. As I said in maybe two podcasts ago, I wish the league would do this more. I wish there was more space between games so that we would see the best possible hockey. Do you think we're seeing the best possible hockey? Mm. I still don't think we have seen it. Well, yeah. I think part of the problem is, is you've got so many stars out for both of these teams. If this yeah. had Ryan Johansson, you had Crystal Tang, I mean, you, it's a whole different series. That's basically what I want from these last three games. I would like to see Pittsburgh's best and Nashville's best on the same night. I don't think we've seen that. And what we've seen four games, I feel like the team that has played better has won one of those four games. And so, I, and that was game three. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I would like to see these last three games won by the team that plays better. I know we're not going to see each team's best each night, but I would like to see, you know, I, I would love it if game five started with Pittsburgh chasing Pecorine, but then Nashville coming back and making it a game. I, I, I want that sort of intrigue. I just don't – we're seeing one team score one goal every night. And actually, when you look at these games at the very end, they're like – they were pretty much all three, four, one games. So uh, that doesn't tell the whole story. A lot of these are, are tied in the third period. But I just don't feel like we've seen both teams play good hockey on the same night yet. I would completely agree with that, actually. I had, it has not been a great final series thus far. But as the, uh, as the end approaches, we may see both teams ramp it up. And, and again, the rest may help in that regard, too. Uh, yeah, I hope so. I, I hope this goes seven now at this point. Since, since Nashville came back and tied this series, let's see a seven-game series because game sevens are always so much fun. And it needs to make up for the fact that we're going to see a, a quick four-game NBA Finals. <laughs> yes. That's went there again. You went there again. Okay. Uh, I don't I, mind. I I'll go there anytime. We'll okay, but this. as long as we're on the NBA, 16-0, and 0, yeah. Is that more impressive than 73 wins? Yes, yes. I think so, too. But they've only played one playoff team in that stretch. That, so and that's see, there's tough. the other side of it, because people, uh, you see, that, and this is always going to happen with these things. People are going to be comparing teams from previous eras. There's no way to win this argument. There's no way to prove that you're yeah. right, saying this is the greatest team of all time, no, because they go 16-0. and 0. the loudest. That's yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's a big part of it, too. But if they go 16-0, and 0, it's incredibly impressive. There's, you can't take away from that. It's hard to win. Every game in the playoffs. So to win 16 in a row, period. Yes, but on the flip side, it's also indicative of the watered-down NBA that we're watching. That, that 
we talked about all season. We knew this was going to be the final at the beginning of the season, and nothing derailed that. Nothing even came close to derailing that. So, which is it? I don't, and it's somewhere in between, but can you, can you honestly tell me the Warriors are the greatest team of all time because they go 16-0? and 0? I, Yeah, they have two superstars on their team, and that's a whole other issue because Kevin Durant just picked the team that he wanted to go to, and I hate that about the NBA. But are they better than the Lakers who had Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and James Worthy? I, I don't know how you can just say that definitively. Are we concerned that Craig seems more passionate about the NBA Finals than the Stanley Cup right now? I'm usually just angry about the NBA Chris Finals. Is mad. If you about the NBA. Fun, Bring a newly hired Paige Demakos and tell her that the Golden State Warriors this year are better than any of those Bulls teams. Oh, and that will be just a party on the air. Um, but you can't, you can't, you can't win any of those arguments. No, but my last, we'll get back to hockey here in a second. What would be more impressive Honestly. to you to, to close out that the NBA Finals, Golden State winning in Game Four and, and going sixteen and zero, or Cleveland coming back and winning four straight, which there is literally a zero percent possibility of happening. No, I'm but definitely blown away by the latter yeah. if, if Cleveland came back, because I just I don't think it's possible. They, I, I thought they played as well as they could for most of that game last night, and still they're just they're hanging on. You just feel like they have to they have to be perfect to beat Golden State, and then they go cold at the very end, and got, it's an eleven zero run. You got Kyle Korver dunks. I mean, they're pulling out every all the stops, and that was their best game, and, and they wasn't enough to get the job done at home in Game Three. And you know my theory about teams coming home after falling down 0-2. They feel like they win Game Three all the time. It's over. Back to the Stanley Cup. Nashville came back down 2-0. They win both games. Uh, At it's, home. It's been interesting to me. There was a lot of people, even when Pittsburgh was up 2-0, and it wasn't me in this case. I really didn't say anything. A lot of people that are just national reporters expected Nashville to win the next two games, and they've done it. What do you think now the public perception is here with, with three games remaining in this series? I understand Pittsburgh's probably still the favorite if you go to Vegas or whatever because they've got two home games and they've got more recognizable names. But do you really get the sense that they're the favorite among people that watch hockey for a living? It depends how you define favorite? favorite. Because I think if you're thinking about it logically, yes, they would be the favorite. If you're thinking about what is what sounds good, what feels good in your heart, I think people are actively rooting for Nashville. Do you think Pecorine has been the most... I don't know how to put this. He, I feel like he's become the star of this series. We talked so much before the series started about how Crosby will be on the biggest stage. Maybe Phil Kessel or Evgeny Malkin will get a little more hype. But P.K. Subban's going to be the guy that the league hypes up. And they did. But I feel like people that, that I know that aren't huge hockey fans are talking more about Pecorine than anybody right now. Yeah, and that's, I mean, just because of the narrative of this series, right? He was, he was a big reason they lost those first two games. And then that last game, he was, he was fantastic. Yeah. He was the reason they won. So... It's easy to it's it's easy to point to a goaltender, right, and, yeah. and their impact on a game, and that's one of the the biggest reasons why he's so visible in this yeah. series. In, in a short period like this, it's very easy for a goaltender to make a noticeable, massive impact on a game uh, than any other position, especially for a casual fan. You can see when a goaltender is either lighting it up or having a terrible night. Yeah. Why do you think there's nowhere near as much controversy on Matt Murray? I mean, he's, he's playing in Game Five tonight, but there wasn't nearly the talk about a goalie controversy in Pittsburgh, in spite of the fact. They got guys sitting on the bench who got him through two of the best teams in the league in the first two rounds and, yeah, has won a cup as well. Yeah. But there, was it nearly the controversy? I think people have moved on from Fleury. They've spent the last two years mentally moving on from Marc-Andre Fleury, and this whole year moving on from him knowing he was going to be the guy that would go. As well as he played in the first – again, I think – and you, you can speak to this more as somebody who watches Pittsburgh all the time. I just feel like the Fleury era in the minds of Pittsburgh fans and media is over. I think, but, but they were ready to put Saros in goal? 
instead of well that that was weird to me I mean I don't think they yeah. really were were they I think that was just Peter Laviolette screwing with the media it almost felt like he he already didn't even think about it it was going to be Rene and then somebody asked him the question he's like oh I can screw with people I mean there's there's no way there was just no way Nashville was going away from Pecorino in mm-hmm. game three of, of this series I'm of the belief that you just when you're in the cup you don't go away from your goalie and and, and you know to Jamie's point Flurry's actually, he, he, I thought he was really good in the playoffs this year. I was kind of surprised they went away from him as quickly as they did, and yet I understand why, because generally speaking, Murray's pretty steady back there. I know he struggled the last two games, but, you know, if you go to Flurry right now, or even if, you went, if Nashville had gone to Saros, my thought is you almost have to give yourself mentally a buffer that you're, you may very well lose that first game when you've switched goalies, and there's just no time for that now. I mean, if Pittsburgh yeah. switched to Flurry and they lost, you can't switch back. So... Better or worse, now you're. I don't want to say stuck with Murray because he's been phenomenal and he has a chance to win two Stanley Cups while he's a rookie, which I can't imagine has happened very often. The but problem he's is, struggled. you have such a small window for things to happen that normal, natural variance in product in productivity gets looked at as oh, it's time to panic. You have you have one bad game or even or bad game and a half in a seven game series. That's that could be crippling for your team. But the reality is, it doesn't mean that the talent level of your goaltender changed at all. And I think coaches that kind of push past that when they have established goaltenders. Murray won them a cup last year. Pecorino's been, aside from one down year, one of the best goalies in the league the last half decade. When you have that kind of talent, you need to ride through those troubles. If you're dealing with a young goaltender that maybe hasn't been there before, that's when you say, okay, is the moment too big? But if you have established talent like those guys, you have to just ride through the, the valleys as long as they're not terribly, terribly low valleys. It would have been interesting if Murray hadn't played at all last year and we were just in this situation. Then they probably do go back to Flurry, and then I think a lot of Penguins fans are worried. But you know, the thing with, with Nashville, you look at those first two games, and a lot of that was Rene's fault. But at the same time, I'm sure Peter Laviolette and his coaching staff looked at it and said, if we're going to win the Stanley Cup, it's prob- the guy might win the Conn Smythe. Whereas with Pittsburgh, yeah, Murray hasn't been great the last two games. They've scored two goals total. Yeah. I mean, is he supposed to? How is he supposed to win those games? And that's where you have to look at it from. Which goaltender gives me the best chance to win the next game? And if that if one bad game changes your mind, maybe that goaltender wasn't wasn't the one that should have been in net in the first place. And Rene has that ability to take over a series, which he has sort of done. I, I thought he was fine in Game 3. I thought his real strong performance was in Game 4. Everybody went off about how amazing it was in Game 3. Agreed. He, didn't, he wasn't tested. He wasn't yeah. tested at all from anywhere in close. But Game yeah. 4, I mean, I'm not going to say he's the only reason they won, but he made some huge saves. And that's, that's what you get from him. Yeah. Yeah, no question. You, you, know, you asked this question a little while ago. Is Nashville just a better team? It's hard for me to answer that because I don't know what Pittsburgh would look like if Chris Letang were playing. If you're asking me, like, right now, with, right. with those players out of the series, I'm going to go to another one of your questions that you have prepared for us. I don't know if we've seen Pittsburgh's best yet. I feel like we will now. I think we're going to see a championship team taken up another level because we have three games left in the cup final. They've been here before. They're capable of doing it. It may not mean that they outshoot Nashville. We may not see that again in this series, but... I think we're going to see better from Pittsburgh. I think these games, the, the performances we're going to see are going to be better these last three games. They're such opposite teams because without Johansson and without Latang, Pittsburgh has so, I mean, the forward talent is not, is incomparable. Uh, you, you, they're not even on the same level. And on the same thing can be said on the blue line. But for Na- in Nashville's favor, they're not even on the same level right now. So I, I healthy, everybody's healthy. I would still take Pittsburgh. I just think they have more talent overall, and if they had Crystal Tang on that blue line, it helps mask some of their problems. 
But it's, it's tough to say that, you know, Nashville is just a, a better team overall because up front, they're not even close. I think my biggest frustration with this series, and obviously I, I would assume it's probably both coaches' biggest frustration too, is, you know, Nashville loses Ryan Johansson, Pittsburgh loses Chris Letang, and then you go into the series, even if Pittsburgh had Letang, Nashville would be stronger on defense. And even if Nashville had Johansson, Pittsburgh would be stronger on offense. So it's not like, I don't want anybody to get hurt, but it's not like, you know, whoever, P.K. Subban and, and Malkin are out. It's, it's the guys that are that those individual teams specifically really needed. Pittsburgh needs somebody on the blue line. Nashville needs a guy that can score, and those are the guys that are missing. Yeah. I think that's hurting the, the, the play. That's a really good point, actually, because they, we, we saw how hard Nashville worked just to acquire yeah. a top-line center. It was, you know, they considered it the missing piece on this roster, and then with Pittsburgh, their blue line has been... That discussion has been going on for several years. Yeah, with with Latang out, yeah, they have they have serious issues back there. What about the stat that Pittsburgh has been outshot in fifteen of sixteen playoff games? That, that doesn't count the Ottawa series. If you take Columbus, Washington, and Nashville, I think they outshot Washington once or something, or Columbus once. They've it it's been outshot not, fifteen of sixteen. It's not fair to to put it all into one person, but Chris Latang is a huge reason why they don't have enough quality puck movers on mm-hmm. their blue line. Mm-hmm. They they are fielding third pair and, and quad A level talent on their blue line right now and yes you can have all the great forwards in the world but if you can't get the puck up to them in strong offensive situations they're going to struggle. Now Pittsburgh has so much talent up front that they are taking advantage of their limited opportunities Yes, but they're not getting as many quality opportunities percentage. than they, what they would normally have if they had a guy like Crystal Tang up there or if Schultz was playing in his full game or if Ole Mata remembered how to play hockey again. I might argue that, that nice. if Latang were in the lineup, I think he would have a bigger impact on Pittsburgh than Johansson would on, on Nashville. I really think that, actually. Yeah, I do, too. Just, just so. because it's so clear that Pittsburgh's missing him, and I know Nashville is, too. Uh, you know, looking at, at Nashville, just the style of hockey they play, I, I remember when we did the predictions at the start of the season, my thought was Nashville would win the division, and they would kind of bow out in the playoffs, and it's been the exact opposite. They barely got into the playoffs. They were the 16 seed, and now they're... They're just cruising. There are no seeds anymore, Luke. Oh, you're right. Remember? Sorry. They were the 16th team that would have made it had you ranked them. They would have missed the playoffs <laughs> in the Eastern Conference. And yet now they look like maybe the best team in the league. How much of that is their style of play being conducive to the playoffs where you can maybe be a little bit more physical and lean on defense and it seems to be working? Well, I never want to lean too much in that direction because can Nashville sustain this for a couple seasons? We'll, we'll find out, I guess, down the road. I'm, I'm not sure that one postseason is enough to... To make that judgment, but certainly it's it's an interesting possibility. If they are able to do this with a great blue line and clearly without a franchise center, without even a number one center now, it sort of flips the whole league on its ear and, and, and makes you consider new possibilities because it just hasn't happened. It hasn't happened since, what, the Devils yeah. when a won team, the Cup. When a team has such a, a major advantage at one specific aspect of the game, we see these weird quirks happen across sports. When they're just so good at one aspect that the, that the rest of the league is deficient in. I mean, how many times have we sat here at every show leading up to trade deadline? What does this playoff contender need? Help on the blue line. Help on the blue line. Help on the blue line. They're all and in Nashville. That's why all, everybody needs help. They're all in Nashville. And if you're a fan, as Craig likes to say, if you're a fan of the local team, that's a model that's a reali- that you can realistically build around so that you're hoping that maybe is the way of the future. Speed up, speed youth up front and just for shut down defensemen, essentially. And shut down not in the traditional sense, shut down in the sense of how, they, how well they play. Yeah, Puck movers, guys yeah. who retrieve the puck quickly in their own end and get it out of the own end, yeah. And they've got, obviously they've got one in EL, maybe another in Jacob Chikrin, who... 
but they still need guys on the right side. Yeah. They don't have any on the right side right now. But that is an interesting way to tie it in yeah. locally. I mean, you could. It, it feels silly to say it right now because Oliver Larson probably had the worst year of his career for you know a lot of reasons, and Nashville's in the Stanley Cup mainly because of their defense. But if you if you put Oliver Ekman Larson on Nashville's defense, I'd probably still take him as the first player out of that group. It's just you know Nashville has the other four or five guys in a row. But if you're if you're the Coyotes and you're trying to build, that is it's probably the way to do it. Get some speed up front, and and those guys can they can counterpunch and they can make plays and just let your defense lock teams down. And that's what we're seeing. And I, I have to say, as much as we talked about how Ottawa was playing boring hockey, Nashville's playing these games where they're keeping Pittsburgh to one goal, but it's it's not boring. You know, it's, it's, it's more skill, I guess, for lack of a better term. Because it's talent versus system. It's the talent that's – that's they are playing a game, there was so much talent on the blue line that they're actively preventing opportunities. They're not having a system which that slows the game down. Yeah. And I think that's the difference. That Nashville is winning with talent versus scheme. And you can have a good – you know, in football, you can have dynamic defensive teams versus if you have systems that artificially hold teams back. Right. I think that's the difference in viewing pleasure. It's kind of what this feels viewing like. Viewing pleasure. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's true, though. Over. It's absolutely true. It, it feels... There's, there, there's a way... I mean, you, you when you look at the NHL and how many one-goal games there are during the regular season, a lot of that is that system that you're talking about, but it's it's not necessarily entertaining to watch. Heck, the, the local team has had to do that for... Most of it's pretty, probably all of it's time in Glendale, but certainly the the Tippett years they've had to do that because by and large they haven't had the talent of other teams. So you have to make up talent deficiency. That's yeah. how you do it. It does feel like watching a football game where one team has the best defense and the other team has three All Pro receivers but no quarterback to get them the ball. I mean that makes for a compelling game, which is why we have three games left in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'm, I'm under the assumption this goes seven. I mean, I, I don't know. I, maybe. I, if Pittsburgh loses Game Five, I don't know that you go into Nashville and beat them if they can win the Cup on their home ice. So maybe I'm not under the impression this goes seven. I I, th- I think the winner of this game tonight wins the series. That's really? that's my personal belief. So. But you think it goes seven? I do think it goes. Well, yes, I I think it goes seven. Okay. Yeah, I think. Well, I, 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 actually, I can't say that definitively. I mean, if Nashville wins tonight, yeah, I could definitely see. Which number for you? Six. No. Well, then why are you here? I thought you could just give us the answers right off the top. I think Pittsburgh wins tonight. Nashville wins. At home, and then Pittsburgh wins Game Seven. Yeah, that's seven, what I think. That's my you give me don't. each of the goal scorers no. in order and, and time of goal. No. How did? Uh, oh, real quick before we move on to uh, something else. Nashville's defense. Where do you rank this among? I know you can't give me like a, an exact number, but what other defenses have we seen over the last five or six years that that are up on their level? The only one I could really think of was Boston's defense the year they beat Vancouver in the Stanley Cup. Boston had a pretty good defense for a couple years there, and I feel like. Yeah, yeah. They, they they weren't as highly talented, but they went sixty with yeah, yeah. quality I, players. I, I, look, the Blackhawks had a great blue line for, the for a while. Yeah. With their top when, four. when Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, Nicholas Chalmerson, and, and Johnny Oduya were at the top of their game, that that was a great blue line. Those it really was. Twenty ten Kings teams. I think those were that was an underrated yeah, blue line. A different different style, but just very. When Slava was still line. there, uh huh. Yeah, that was a great blue line too. So those are the only three I could come up with that are mm-hmm. even on the same level. I mean, they're all a little bit different, but. They all had great the centers. Level. This team, this team has Mike Fisher now as its top center. Yeah. It's just crazy. If you win a cup with Mike Fisher as your top center, it really does. It just changes the perception of the league. And maybe it's just an anomaly. It might be. It might be. And, and you know, for uh, the article you wrote, was it last week's Craigslist ranking the best, the yep. best Stanley Cup winners? I mean, eight, and we, you know, Luke and I both joked. If spoiler alert, we're the two colleagues that had Carolina last. If you, yeah. If you read the article, if you, you have ahead of a Blackhawks team. 
Uh, did. And if you haven't, haven't read the article, it's Craigslist on NHL section on FanRagSports.com. But even that team had two really good centers. Carolina? Yeah. Yeah, Eric Stahl had a 100-point season. <laughs> he was, pretty, he was, pretty he was unreal that yeah. year. So, I mean, who is the worst Stanley Cup center to win in the last since the lockout? You have to go to the Devils, probably. Oh, since no, the since lockout? lockout? Wow. They're, they're, I mean, they're ha- what? Kopitar, Taves, Crosby, Malkin. Are you talking from production standpoint? Yeah. Or? I mean, just, just the Stahl worst all around. Who's I mean, the I'm worst? sure there's been a couple years where a team has won the Cup and they have a clear number one center, but that number one center wasn't so productive in the Stanley Cup itself. I mean, oh, Ryan in Johansson, the playoffs, yeah, but, okay. But it's, it's, the, it's the totality yeah, of it. But Ryan yeah. Johansson did get them here. It's so you almost right. have to, if they win, you almost have to view this as he just had a really bad. Stand but even then, he'd be clearly the weakest of any. Absolutely, that's true. No question. I mean, look at the names. Yeah. I mean, granted, Eric Stahl didn't sustain that, but at, at that, that point time, in time, Eric Stahl was a superstar. He was a dominant player, and, and then you're talking about Kopitar. You're talking about Getzloff. You're talking Getzloff, about Taves, Taves. You're talking about Bergeron. Bergeron, Crosby, slash Malkin, and, yeah, depending on and the Crosby year. and Malkin. Uh, so Datsuk. I mean, and Datsuk, yes. I, I, so, we can't forget Datsuk. He was, uh, was, was kind of good. Um, you also had the 08 Red Wings a little bit lower than I thought you would, too. I think, did you have them third? I think we well, I'll call Craig it up had, while you guys talk. The Craig right. had one or two or one, two, and three exactly like I had it. Oh, really? Okay. So I don't know. I just remember those Red Wings team being right there with uh, – well, if you look at – go ahead. What was the best Blackhawks team? Was that – Oh, oh I think it was, it was this the lockout year. 12, they, were just, 13, they were ridiculous. They yeah. would have had 100 – I mean, they were on pace for 132 points. That team never lost. I that team never felt like it was going to lose. No, the, the, the team – but Detroit had them on the ropes, if you remember, in the playoffs. Yeah, they, did. they, yeah, they were. But they were, they were just ridiculous all yeah. year. That, that team was so yeah, dominant. Here's, here's how I voted, because I think the top two we had the same. It was 12-13 Blackhawks, one, and then 07-08 Red Wings, two. Oh, you had – okay, if you had them second, then that doesn't – The I, Red for Wings? For some reason, I thought yeah, you had them I'm pretty sure you had them second. Okay. Charles Wait. Barkley, while you uh, look for that? Oh, I'm on, I'm on it right now, actually. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Slowly <laughs> scroll down there, and I'll just keep talking. Okay. I'll give play-by-play. Yeah, I did have the 08 Wings, number two. All right. They had 115 points that year. I was trying to think. There, there was another one that I think we had disagreement on, but when I looked at their regular season, it wasn't all that impressive. Well, it, here's here's what I had for my rankings. I had the 12-13 Blackhawks one, 07-08 Red Wings two, the 09-10 Blackhawks three. See, we were in agreement on those top three actually. Yeah. And then 08-09 Penguins four, which Craig had a couple spots down low. Again, the difference between like four and seven, I think, is negligible in here. 10-11 Bruins, 5. I think that was one we had some disparity on. 06-07 Ducks, 6. Last year's Penguins, 7. Craig had a lot higher than I did. I did. I flipped those Penguins teams on you. When you look at the uh, that other Penguins team, the earlier team, um, they only had 99 points in the regular season. They finished 8th overall. They they weren't that impressive, actually. Yeah. They got to, now, and they knocked off Detroit, but it, you, could, you could, I mean, that's, was that just Crosby and Malkin just being so good and... We were watching Detroit sort of transition out of cup contender status because they, that was they the really fell off after that. That was the end for them. I mean, they, they still. I mean, they also beat Washington when Washington was at there. The thing, the thing that makes everybody it, beats Washington that's at true. some point. Yeah. In the, playoffs. the thing that's weird about grading the Penguins Cup teams is they always change their coach in the middle of the regular season, so you can't get a good read on the regular season. I mean, you can make a case that like if Pittsburgh yeah, won the cup this true. year. Yeah. Last, last year's, last year's team. team was impressive to me. I, yeah. But I their regular know. season was shaky. It was, it, was more, it was better than the other Penguins team we're talking about. No, I, I'm, that's what I'm saying. If Pittsburgh it, won the Cup this year and you had to rank the two of them on that list, last year's Cup-winning Penguins would be so far ahead of this year's team because that team was dominant in the playoffs last year. And mm-hmm. then you look and you say, all right, they struggled in the regular season, but that wasn't under Mike Sullivan. When he came in, 
think they lost three in a row, and but, then they never lost consecutive yeah, games. Yeah, they heated up big time. They were they were so impressive down the stretch. Uh, that's why went, I had them yeah. in my top five. And eighth, eighth they went 13-14 Kings, which I will I will die on the hill that that team was a better team than the the first cup one. Everything went right. For which the which Kings team? Kings. The thirteen fourteen. I tried better, to pull better than the the, the, the yeah. twenty twelve one. I'll yeah. die on that hill. No, I had the twenty twelve Kings as the worst team to win the cup. Yeah, I had them still daily. By yeah. the way, when you say I that. know they were, and, and it was it, as as I mentioned in the story, they they were dominant in the playoffs. They went sixteen and four, which is the best record of any yeah. post lockout playoff cup winner, right? Or cup yeah. winner, sixteen and four is incredible. But then you, but I mean, you, you take into account that they had ninety five points and they were the eighth seed in the in the West. And then their path, yeah. They, they path. beat the Coyotes I mean, and the I Devils mean, in the last two rounds. They get full marks for beating number one seed Vancouver. Yes. That was the closest to a number one seed getting swept uh, since the two Blackhawks ones, the ones in the 90s and the one this year. But St. Louis that. was very underwhelming. The Coyotes were a one-man team at that point. Yeah, it was uh, Mike Smith. And, and New Jersey the in the Devils. Cup Finals. Come on. The Devils. They were the East Six seed that year. You know, so they, if the Kings didn't come back two years later and win, we would talk about the Kings Devils like we talk about Oilers. We Carolina. probably would. You're right. Uh, and I yeah. Then I had the King the, the 12, 11, 12 Kings second to last, and then the the 05, 06 Hurricanes last. Yeah, you guys crushed the Hurricanes. I, I don't acknowledge that. One hundred and twelve point Carolina team. You hey, dropped them. Hey, great last. news! I got your story to open. Oh, cool. I've been stuck on Craigslist for the last 10 minutes. Actual <laughs> Craigslist. They Real don't Craigslist? tell you much about the Stanley Cup, uh, so I would avoid going there. So now I can look at your misconnections. Uh, I would agree with you that the 2012 Kings should be last. It's taking nothing away from them. They won the Cup. But if you go back and watch those playoffs, every single thing went right. Anything that was a 50-50 bounce or anything that... Except for Derek Morris's goal from the red line. Yes, yeah, that, but, I mean, line. it ended up not mattering. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, Dustin Petter was scoring game-winning goals in overtime. Yeah. I mean, what, do you, what, do you, what do you expect? Uh. And you're right. The 2014 Kings would have destroyed that team. So, Charles Barkley on the broadcast oh. the other night. Yes. I'm loving this narrative that he's just so into the NHL. This is another – this is the NHL getting free marketing, and this is why you need the Stanley Cup to be – first of all, you need every game to be on NBC. You shouldn't be hiding any on NBC Sports. And I think they already did that once, didn't they? Yeah, they did that for Game 3 because they want to drive up the, the value of the cable network, so they give, they give one game to the cable network. All right, well, whatever. But Charles Barkley being, like, the, the biggest advocate of the NHL playoffs is hilarious and also really beneficial to this league. Exactly, and it just crushes anyone who's trying to argue that the NBA... I don't think many people are at this point that, Not this saying year. that this Not has been a good playoff. But, you know, that whole, oh, the NBA playoffs are so dramatic. They, they never are. We always know who's going to be there. They're never dramatic. It's, I've always called it pseudo-drama. Oh, they extended them to seven games. Look, isn't that cute? They're not going to win the series. I had a conversation we, we, with somebody last night that was adamant that I can't be that down on these finals. Cleveland's going to win a game. I was like, I don't care. Oh, if, wow. If they win well, one game, then you lose five. That's swell. <laughs> what a competitive series. By the way, the second Golden State wins that series, we can start planning for Golden State-Cleveland next year. Yes. So that'll be exciting. Yeah, because who's rising just, just in these? Just mark Golden State's championship next year, too. Yeah. Like, you, there's no way you can make it. Which is it. the problem with super teams. I, I, you know, that's... You could never sit here, and we will, I'm sure, in a week, I, and try and predict who's going to be in the Stanley Cup next season. Good luck. We'll probably all... We'll all get at least one team wrong, if not two. Yep. So, anyway, Barkley. Hilarious when he was on, on yes. the actual broadcast. The juxtaposition between Charles Barkley and Mike Milbury when they were talking... First of all, Mike Bilberry didn't know what to do with Charles Barkley. He had no clue how to even talk to him. I want those two to have a podcast. Oh, my God. He, he was so awkward. And, and you know, when, when Charles is saying what he's saying, how can, how can you say that? Don't you collect the paycheck? 
Jed, of course, Charles, they can't fire me. It's true. I mean, I love, this is why yeah, people love Charles Barkley. Yes. There's no way the NBA is happy about this. But what are they going to do? They can't. They, it would be yeah. such a horrible PR move for them to dump him at this point. And that's where the NBA is traditionally smart, is with their PR moves. So they yes. just have to sit back and let this happen. Yep. It's their own fault. Their product has been terrible this it, year. It's been, I, I would argue, it's been terrible for a lot longer than that. Yeah, that's true. But this year, it's, it's been heading in this direction for some time now. And now, it's and when you when, when you're already playing a sport where if you have one of the five best players, you have a chance to win the title, and if you don't, you don't have a chance to win the title. When you, when that's already a reality of your sport, just based on physics, the number of players on the floor. When you allow things like LeBron to go to Miami or Kevin Durant. To go to Golden State, it makes it even worse. Yeah. Or Chris it's Paul to go terrible to for your game. Oh wait, no. Oh yeah, that didn't work no. out so well. Oh yeah, it's terrible for your game. But we're back on the NBA. And we don't want to be I here. Know. How, yeah, how do we do this? Let's move on to some well, of these. Luckily, though, NHL fans are always very receptive to people talking about other sports. <laughs> well, they they like it when we trash other sports. I think it's true. so. It's justified. On to some of these potential trades here. Potential. I guess Potential. let's start. First of all, can we just clear this up for everybody? The expansion draft is less than two weeks away. The yeah. actual announcement, right? So when they have yeah. to, when teams have to, the submit, freeze starts the seventeenth. Yeah. So we can start seeing trades like now, can't we? I mean, we legitimately could. We're Theoretically, we should be seeing trades now. I'm surprised we haven't seen. Yeah, more. I kind of am too. But uh, yeah, I just talked to John Chaika, the Coyotes general manager, about this, and he said it's st- you know there's a lot of talk at the combine, which just got you know concluded last weekend. But it never got to that breaking point. As he said, and it, this is true, we find this every year, there's a deadline. So what happens? Yeah. Everybody goes right to the deadline. It's just like the trade deadline. Most of those deals get made at the last minute. So or that's college. probably what we're going to see here as well. College papers. Go right to the deadline. Yeah, everybody just procrastinate until the morning of the final, basically. I was hoping we wouldn't see that in this case just because it's... We all expect it with the trade deadline. It really seems like it happens probably a day ahead of time with the big trades, but then there's a bunch of there's a flurry of moves right at you know, noon or whatever. But uh, I, I was hoping we wouldn't see that in this case just because the earlier somebody makes a big trade, this is so new to everybody that I think we could really see some, some crazy stuff happen. But if yeah. they all wait till the last second, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I wonder if there's just some, hesit- some hesitance to what's going to set the market. What is the market value for trading a player specifically so they won't get taken by Vegas or trading a player specifically because you're afraid they're going to be? That's fair. How that's, much, that's, what percentage value do you get for that? Right. It's really hard to measure that. And if you go out there on a limb and, and the market ex- ends up being less, you look like a fool if you're the first guy to act. So that's, that's an interesting point. I, th- I think the cup finals are weighing into this as well. Not that, not that Pittsburgh is really going to have much of an issue with this, but Nashville's a player in terms of their protected players. They have guys that... Pittsburgh's teams, got one guy. That's true. Marc-Andre Fleury, obviously. Or, or Matt Murray. Yeah. Sorry. Stop. Okay. Don't, don't look at me and then say something like that like you okay. don't mean it when I know okay. deep down this whole podcast was just a ruse for you to say that. Uh, if you look at teams that need this to get going... Vegas would be that team that needs to get this going. Otherwise, they're going to go into the expansion draft. And I know Craig is probably the biggest proponent of doing mock expansion drafts, as I learned this week. Yeah. Whether you do them or not, they're out there. And if you just look at the lineups, if you don't look at specific names, but you just look at roughly this is the caliber of player they're going to get, if they just go through the expansion draft, and I know they're going to make trades, but if they just did the expansion draft, their team would be terrible. It would finish last next year and probably pick four. <laughs> it's still going to be terrible. Yeah, but... But, yeah, I'd I'd like to see it happen. But I I do think, it. you know, after this weekend, I think we'll get through this weekend, and then it's just going to start trickling. If the cup final ends on Sunday, 
that could change things even more. But that yeah. basically gives us a week. Yeah. But that's, at some I mean, point, that's, that's somebody, has to, somebody has to pull the trigger and make, make that, all right, now, I'm going to be the one that comes now, out. And, and I would caution you, too. Like, you, we're talking about all these trades. It may not be that many trades, but there will be a few significant yeah. ones. Is it possible there will be deals that we don't, I guess there's no way we wouldn't know about them in the Internet age, mm-hmm. but is it possible we're going to see deals that are kind of a little under the radar, but they just impact the actual expansion draft? I mean, there was that rumor floating around out there earlier this week that Chicago would it got confusing they were gonna yeah that, trade yeah, that was very Cooper. nice of them we will allow you to take trevor rand reams like yeah that, that that's cute thanks chicago but then if i'm vegas i wouldn't be that upset getting marcus kruger out of the deal he's not that overpaid he's just overpaid on chicago because they have no money left yeah and also the interesting thing too is going to be for teams that have multiple players that they feel are actual contenders to be taken since you can really only lose one, mm-hmm. how many of them just sit tight and say, you know what, we're going to lose one. If we trade one and the other one is taken, we've now lost both. That's got to be Anaheim, right? So oh, it sounds like Sammy Button's on the move. So, I mean, that, that's, that's a difficult Just portion. not to the Coyotes, by the way. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I don't, he's not going to be traded within the division, so. Okay. I, I know we all worry that that might be the case. Hey, New Jersey needs a defenseman, don't they? Or two or three. Or six or, or seven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Trade him to Edmonton for Connor McDavid, but, but he's oh, in the, they're, he, in the they're in the division too, so I don't, do I don't see that. McDavid was in that draft, so oh yeah. Well, you know, safe. yeah, maybe they'll trade Connor McDavid or, for a defenseman. Well, it sounds like they're going to trade Everly, so maybe they'll get another defenseman for Everly, and then they'll have Everly for another second pairing. Two defenseman. forwards left. If, if you're Anaheim, to Jamie's point, you've got so many defensemen you want to keep, but really, if you don't do anything, only one goes away. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you keep your five forwards, and what is it? It's Kessler, Getzlaff, Perry, Silverberg, and Ricard Raquel. You really only have five. Like, if you start looking at Anaheim's roster of guys yeah. that need to be protected up front, like Nick Ritchie isn't somebody that needs no, to be No, I completely agree. That's where they have to go. They have to, they have to protect their forwards yeah. because they have, they, they have a surplus on D. They don't at forwards. So you can't, you can't hurt an area where you're already deficient. But that's why Votnin will get traded, right? Because to Jamie's point, you could just hold on to him. Maybe he gets taken, but you keep the other guys. You need to trade him for a forward that's worth keeping Bingo. because you only have five all of a sudden. Bingo. They're yeah. in a weird spot, but I mean. So what are you trading with New Jersey for? What do you want from New Jersey? Taylor Hall. Yeah. <laughs> or the number one pick. Nolan Patrick. I'll take yeah. I'll take him for Sammy Vaughn. I don't think that's going to happen. That'd I don't be think a so. Pretty either. bad move for uh, New Jersey, but uh, Mike Smith. His name has been tossed around out there. I kind of didn't really give this much credence when I first saw it, but uh, what do you think of this? Either one of you. Go ahead, Jamie. Um, I <laughs> don't see a natural fit for a team that has a need for a goaltender, the caliber that Mike Smith can provide at this age, and yeah. the contract that he currently has, I there are better options out there. Here, and Yeah, he's 35. So if the Coyotes can... Here's what John Chica said about it when, it when I talked to him the other day. If it's being viewed as me making Mike available and starting a bidding war, that's not the case. We're taking calls on players every year. I don't think anyone is untradeable. But like we talked about last year with Oliver ekman Larson. He's up as high as on that list as anyone. There's a value to our team that Mike has being an all-star and our rock. His value is extremely high, but if someone wants to pay an even higher value for him, that's the industry. So what that sounds like to me is John, John Chica playing coy. Look, I'm going to drive the price up really high on Mike Smith, but yeah, he's available, and if I can get a high price for a 35-year-old goaltender, you bet I'm going to do it. Now, it presents a problem for the Coyotes in that they don't have yeah, someone to replace Mike Smith. Line? 
There they, are other goalies available. Yes, they yeah. could always go out and hit. And I know Mark Andre. It doesn't sound like the Coyotes are that I, interested that in Mark Andre. Like that seems like a lateral move for no reason. Yeah, if you get I, out of that right. contract, you, yeah. you're thankful you got out of that so contract. So I, I know a lot of people are speculating that Mark Andre Fleury might be a Coyote. I don't think that's a real possibility. But yeah, I, I don't even think Mike Smith is going to get traded in the end because I don't think people are going to pay the value that he's looking for for Mike Smith. So I think he'll probably stay a Coyote. But that, that's what's out there right now. I, I do think he is available. And if they can get that price, why wouldn't you do it at this point? Because Mike Smith's not going to be the guy when your young guys finally come of age. Yeah, I mean, he's the sort of guy that can keep you in games, which is huge when you have a young team. We saw him do it in the first half last season. But you know, I don't think the Coyotes expect to win the Stanley Cup this year. Now, the thing is, when I look up and down the standings, I'm sure they're trying to make a push for the playoffs, and having Mike Smith would certainly help. And that, that's why I like the first half of John Chico's quote. I'm not just shopping this guy around. If somebody wants to overpay for him, go ahead. In terms of, it's not just flurry, but I'll use him as the example. I know you said this is all, this is pretty unlikely to actually happen, but the reason in my mind that you would do it, if you were going to do it, is if you're going to get something really nice back for Mike Smith, you probably don't have to give up that much for flurry. So if you view flurry and Smith as about the same. Then the other asset in this in your situation you've upgraded considerably. Now again, that's a lot of moving parts. If you make that trade and you don't get Flurry or another goalie, then you're screwed. And I, I get what you're saying. We talked about this in via text message actually about Flurry's value. And Pittsburgh clearly needs to move one of these guys. They they just have to get something done. But if there's still a market for goalies, if you have multiple teams interested, it could still theoretically drive up the value. So at that point, if you're the Coyotes and you've already traded Mike Smith, are you willing to give up a significant amount to get Mark Andre no, Fleury? That just no seems sense. like, well, yeah, what, what did you just do? You just... That makes no sense. Rearrange, I don't want to say, never mind, I won't say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't even know what you were going to say, which is intriguing. That's good. No, I, it would only make sense if you were going to get a lot back for Mike Smith and okay. not have to give up anything yeah. for Mark Andre Fleury or somebody else. But I think it speaks to a bigger point. Because you're saying that the, there's a market for Mark Andre Fleury, and apparently there's some sort of market for Mike Smith, even though you know, the Coyotes aren't necessarily shopping him. Who are these teams that are on the fringe of a playoff spot that feel like they need a goalie? Because the only two I can see off the top of my head would be Calgary and Winnipeg. Well, don't say Winnipeg with a question mark because yeah, absolutely those, Winnipeg. Those Winnipeg's teams. goalie away from being a well, perennial I mean, playoff team. Yeah, those are both teams. Okay, those yeah. are both teams? Yeah, bo- both, team, both teams to consider in this okay. mix. Mm-hmm. Anybody yeah. else? I mean, I really don't see anybody in the East. Maybe the... Maybe Ottawa? I don't know what Craig Anderson's contract uh, I mean, situation is, but that's, he's basically the same guy. I, wouldn't, I don't think it's going to happen. I wouldn't put it past Vancouver Oh, with Matt Miller's contract up. I mean, I, hey. I, but yeah. It sounds like Vancouver's pretty happy with where they are based on everything I've read. Not the fans, but the team in terms of. It's a, it's a beautiful Well, they're city. still competing for a playoff spot. So. Yeah. yeah. In what leagues, though? I don't know. I just the Swedish the second division. Yes. We, uh, they were we relegated had, last year, yeah, weren't they? Me write something about bad contracts that Vegas could take on, and I was going through, and I, just, I literally went through every team. And I looked at Vancouver, and I'm like, hey, Louis Erickson, like, he's not a bad player, but boy, this is a good chance for Vancouver to maybe trade him and, and get out from under that contract. And I kind of thought about it. Vancouver doesn't seem to want to trade him. Because they're s- delusional. Okay. <laughs> they were delusional they're when they signed that deal. They're Jamie. They're in transition. Yeah, transition to being awful. No, they've, they've already made that point. Again, I, I'm... It makes no sense. That signing made no sense for where they are as a team. In fairness to them, they should have the second pick in the draft yeah. this year. They're, They're going to lose the Sedins after one more year, and then yeah. it's going to be really interesting. But to they'll see have Louis Erickson. Good for them. For a long time. Good there's, for them. There's no way they bring back Ryan Miller, correct? 
He's an unrestricted free agent. I'm not go. putting anything past Vancouver. But again, if Ryan Miller's on the market, I feel like that drives down the value for a guy like Flurry or Smith. Because if you're Calgary, you could just go get Ryan Miller. If you want the best option available, and the contract doesn't scare you away, and the price doesn't scare you away, it's Mark Andre Flurry, clearly. Flurry for the regular season, Smith for the playoffs. I would say. I mean, I don't know if I would be that confident. If you, yeah, Smith had, had one good one example. Let's yeah, calm down. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. No. Well, so maybe, maybe Mike Smith, if somebody wants to overpay. Uh, Oliver Ekman Larson, <laughs> probably not so much. I, don't, I can't uh, believe we have to talk about this every year, but here we go again. Uh, uh, the old NHL 17 syndrome. I can just take any, any good player I want if I throw in enough mid-round picks. <laughs> you can go ahead and read Mike Heike of the Dallas Morning News, who's a terrific reporter, Mike, by Mike's the way. Mike's excellent, by the way. Yeah, yeah I don't want to fantastic. call out Mike. Can we blur his name? No, I mean, he, this is where this came from. You asked where this came from. It was, it was basically a, a mailbag, right? Is this the only answering place questions? it came from, though? Well, I mean... And Initially, be, and to be fair to Mike, he's not saying that this is what he would do or this is what was told that was going to happen. He doesn't. He's answering a question. If you blew them away with an offer of draft picks and prospects, I think you could pry him out of there. Um, no, you could not. That would. If you're including Tyler Sagan in the deal, you might be able to pry Oliver Eggman Larson out of Arizona, but it's not happening. This it's, is why it's, it's, not it's tough when because we all agree Mike is, is great at his job. It's tough when people ask somebody who is so locked into one specific team and that's their job to talk about the contractual makeup of another team because yeah. I know that people will look and they'll be like oh yeah give Arizona some picks and, and, and a couple prospects Arizona has enough picks and prospects they need to get rid of some of them so and they need to get rid of them for a guy who's hopefully half as good as Oliver Ekman Larson that would be a completely backwards move there's this narrative that Oliver Ekman Larson isn't happy he wasn't going to resign in Arizona this narrative was born before everyone found out what was going on with his mother yeah. everyone thought he was playing Less than enthused, he wasn't going to resign here, but then we find out afterward that his mother's dying of cancer, and that really had an impact on his season. So there was this false belief that that was impacting his play. Once that's cleared up, you know, it, it's almost like he's operating off of an old narrative that, that doesn't exist now. Obviously, I talked to Oliver, and every player will probably say, yeah, I want to resign here, but you, you've talked to EL. He's, there's not a lot of artifice about EL, right? No. He's, so Hold you, on, let me look up Artifice. Yes. And then keep going. Uh, okay. No, he's pretty straightforward. Yeah, he is, yeah. exactly. So he took a lot, maybe not a lot less, but he, he's on a pretty nice deal for the Coyotes right now. Not only is he, when he's at his best, I don't know, I think he's a top five defenseman, or at least he has that upside in the entire league, and he's not being paid like it right now. And I just, how much have we talked about how Ottawa made a run in the playoffs this year, and Nashville's a little bit different, but we just said it earlier in the show. For the Coyotes, their recipe for success is get a bunch of young forwards that can score. They're not going to score 40 goals, but a bunch of guys capable of 20 to 25 on any given season and a defense built around a great defender. That's Oliver Ekman Larson. I'm not trading him for almost anything. I I don't think think the Coyotes are. I think he's going to have a really big year this year, too. I think he's going to bounce back in a big way with this weight off of his mind, and he's he's motivated, so it's going to be interesting to watch. But they still... They still have to go out and get a couple pieces. They need a right-handed defenseman on this team. Desperately. Somebody who can play in their top four. One guy. And, I mean, no matter where Dylan Strom slots in, they, they still need another center. Mm-hmm. When you look at this team right now, who jumps out at you as being a first-line player? Max Domi, Domi. healthy. Yeah. First-line upside. Uh, that's, that's the list. What, what's, I mean... 
Are you saying first line player on a team that's challenging for a cup, or are you just saying? A, yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah. First okay. line player on a team with not necessarily the President's Trophy team, but a right. team that you say, oh, I could see them a competing. playoff team, winning. Yeah, and maybe even a team that can win a playoff series or yeah. two. Yeah. Who, uh, Max is the only guy the I can think. Guy. I mean, they have a lot of guys I'm actually fairly confident in on the second line, but mm-hmm. those guys become more valuable if you've got a strong first line, yes. obviously. And they're, I mean, they're going to have one of the better third lines and potentially fourth lines in hockey, but you're yeah. right. You need the first line. It, it feels like the Coyotes feel like a team that has good players everywhere and no quarterback. That's what they feel like. They are missing the biggest piece of their team and arguably maybe, and then another huge piece in the right-hand defenseman right now. There are a lot of things we like, a lot, a lot of things we like in their middle six, better than a lot of other teams in the way that mm-hmm. their players are two-way players. And they, they can, I mean, we talked about the, the, the Martin Luke and Reader line uh, a ton and how, how good that was. Yeah. But you need that top center. You need somebody for Ekman Larson to play with on, on right defense. Yeah. And if you get those pieces, which again, I don't know where you're just going to miraculously fault to get these you pieces. You don't. You got to draft. That's, that's the problem with those centers in particular. You got, well, right handed defensemen of that caliber, too. Yeah. But you. But you but you look at the, like the Johansson trade. What do right. they have to give up? Uh, at the time, considered a potentially future elite right-handed defenseman, still could to be. Make I mean, that trade. Still yeah. pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, th- right? It's it, th- those players are tough to find, and everybody needs them. Stroman, Dvorak look to me like two and three centers, right? But those are those are guys that play in your top six, top nine. Yeah, um, I think you're going to be okay there. The, the, the complete dynamic of the team changes with a number one center and a number two defenseman. The whole dynamic of where everybody else shifts in, it, it instantly, yep. and again, those are huge pieces. I'm not trying to trivialize it. But those two pieces plugged in there, the entire outlook of the franchise changes like that. Yep. We're always, we scrutinize the Coyotes a little bit closer just because they're local. I mean, we sit here and say, oh, this, they need a number one center. Probably twenty teams around the league that need number one center, and mm-hmm. so that is if you're just like the NFL, right? Yeah, twenty teams need a quarterback, but they even need someone where you can call them number one ish, right? Because Johansson's not a franchise guy, but he no, is a number one center. But somebody like that, well, yes, if you can find a Sidney Crosby or a Connor McDavid or an Austin <laughs> Matt, that's great. But they they didn't, and they're not going to. So uh, can they find at least somebody that's comparable? But I feel like a lot of teams are missing that. Maybe it's not twenty. Maybe it's a dozen, but there's a lot of teams that don't yeah, the have is a number one a lot of Those dozen teams are the ones that aren't making the playoffs. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. But certainly not winning cups when you start until maybe this year, actually. When you compare the Coyotes to a team, I don't want to say Vancouver, but I'm going to have to because that's what's open on my page. Vancouver's missing a number one center and everything well, else. Well, theirs is about to retire, so. Yeah, and when he they was were, they had two center. really good centers down the middle. I mean, ultimately, you're not trying to compare to those teams. You're trying to compare to the teams that are yeah. still playing or no, that were still playing three weeks ago. For the Coyotes fans that are throwing their phones across the room right now. But I know we, we beat it to death, but it's true. It's the difference between being a true cup contender. I mean, life would be so much easier in this rebuild if they just had somebody of that talent. Well, yeah. look, and of I mean, course it would be. If but they had gotten Connor McDavid, they're probably in the second round of the playoffs this year, right? Their supporting cast is better than Edmonton's was, and that's my whole point. Their supporting cast is a lot better than a lot of these teams at the bottom. You just need that number one center, but good luck. It doesn't have to be McDavid, but it's I know, not but easy to get. There were three at the top of the draft the last two years that they didn't get any of them. That's not yeah. their fault. It's it, it's not, but it's the reality. And the whole it just it changes how you look at things. Yep. But we have to see can they get more active again. A lot of things. It was a long time ago, but in these Sagan deals and these Ryan O'Reilly deals, and like, at some point, how when are you going to get involved? Now there might not be that opportunity this year, but at some point there might years, be. But like. when those opportunities come up, you wonder to. how come you weren't more more active in but trying to get that done. But that hasn't been John He hasn't been there for. No, it was no, Don Maloney. It's not. But why, yeah, when Tyler Sagan's available, how come you're not in on that? You know, I start, as we've, again, another point beating to death, taking another shot. 
uh, in your natural hat trick drinking game, but there was an elite right-handed defense button available a couple years ago, and the price was not paid by the by Don Maloney to get that deal done. Dougie Hamilton could be a coyote. So, I mean, at you would have given point, up Dylan Strom to do it, but yeah, it's, you, it, you'd have that piece alongside El now. You'd you'd have your top pairing for a decade. And then, and then you're looking for one piece and not two when that changes how you can make those moves. Strom is the great unknown because at the time, I mean, he was going third behind only McDavid and Eichel. So you're sitting there thinking, yeah, we give him up for a right-handed defenseman and we're missing that number one center. And then what happens if in two years that's Dylan Strom? I mean, that's the thing. We need to see what he does this year before you can really evaluate this team. If he comes in and he starts in Tucson, we've said this numerous times on the show, that's not the worst thing in the no. world. But if by the end of the season we're talking and we're saying, you know what? This guy could be a number one center. He's not Connor McDavid. He's not Sidney Crosby. But maybe he can get to the Ryan Johansson level. I think the outlook for this team changes huge, his, massively. His summer is so important. He, and they were, everybody's talked about it, and he's embraced the idea of needing to get lower body strength, needing to work on his skating. Steve Sullivan has said it over and over again. He needs to get quicker feet. Steve That's, Sullivan doesn't mince words. No, he doesn't. It's so great talking to him. It, it, he, he analyzes so well. just breaks things down. To their simplest terms, it's, I love talking to the guy. He's a fantastic quote, but that's got to happen. That's look, he's not gonna he's not gonna become a fifty percent better skater. You don't do that to a player at this level. But as Sully was saying, if he can add ten percent to his skating, that could make all the difference in the world. Yeah, get him up another level where he can at least keep up with the game. He's got to be able to do that. He's got to have the strength to win those board battles, those corner battles. If he can do that. Maybe, because he, as Steve Sullivan said, the other parts of his game are either, I can't remember the exact word, but he said they're, they're, they're elite. Yeah. The other parts of his game are elite. And he's shown that. I mean, yeah. I know he hasn't shown it at the NHL level, but he really hasn't played at the NHL level. I'm not going to try and, I'm not going to try and describe the stat because I don't remember it. I'll, I will find it and bring it next week. But watching the Memorial Cup a week and a half ago or whatever, they, there was a stat on Dylan Strom, and they were talking about players that have done this essentially in junior hockey. And it was like him and five other guys. And the other five guys are all Hall of Famers in the NHL. So, again, that's not the expectation on Dylan Strome. That's unfair to put on anybody that's 20 years old that isn't Connor McDavid. But everything he's done up to this point in his career has has been elite. It's just a matter of making that transition to the NHL. And he doesn't have to be elite. He just has to be pretty good. Everything he did this season was exactly what he needed to do. Yes. Everything. Now, the summer, he needs to follow it up and do the things that they're telling him he needs to do. And then... You've got a chance. And then maybe maybe you're at that point where you think, okay, let's just be really good down the middle with four guys. We may never have that franchise guy, but we'll have four really good centers. If we can find a right-handed defenseman with, with a player of Oliver ekman Larson's caliber, they can be an interesting team. Which brings us full circle. That's why you would never trade Oliver ekman Larson oh. because that's the advantage the Coyotes have over 25 teams is that they have him. If, if Oliver ekman Larson is getting traded next season, he, by the way, he can sign an extension next summer. That's when it becomes available. If he's getting traded next season, that means the Coyotes believe he doesn't want to sign here. And I, I have seen no indication whatsoever that that's the case. And in fairness to Mike Heiko, just the, the sentence in his mailbag before that was, Arizona needs him to sell tickets. They probably won't. Tra- they probably want to keep him, keep trying to resign him, and wait until the last minute to trade him if they are forced to trade him. And, and that's, yeah. that's key because... None of us think they will be forced to trade. No, and, and I don't know if they need him to sell tickets. They need him to be a semi-competitive hockey club. They need him to be him, basically. They need, if you take Oliver Ekman off, Larson off this team tomorrow, no. that's the worst team in hockey. I don't even want to think about it. So I, I can't see any sweetheart deal that would make that work. I want to transition on with the number one center talk. 
okay. to Colorado, who is a team that I feel like somewhere in there has a potential number one center, but the rest of their team is, is horrible. Maybe that number one center isn't Matt Duchesne. If not, it probably should be Nathan McKinnon. But Duchesne's name is out there. We've talked about him a lot on the show in the past. Craig has told us that don't expect him in a Coyotes jersey. But where do you see him going? Or do you think he'll, he will move this summer? I think he will move, but okay. where he goes, I don't know. Well, what, his, what they get for him, too. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, and you always hear this when, it, when a guy of this caliber is, is being floated. Oh, they're asking a ton. Well, that's, that's always where you start. You As set the should. market, and then you, you come down from there. Yeah. It's the same thing with Sammy Botnin, to be honest, who's going to be traded out of the division, but they're asking for a ransom as well. It's, that's, that's where you start. Where, where reality lies, I don't know. But both these guys I do expect to move this offseason. Can we isolate that sound for the next time I introduce Craig Morgan and he says, where reality lies, I don't know. <laughs> By the way, you didn't say the Natty Hattie when I introduced us to I'll do it at the end. I'll do it at the end. Again, this is what's incredibly fascinating, the Vatten thing in particular. I don't know what the value is. I don't know where the market is. I don't know. Do, do the Ducks have leverage? I don't think they I do. I feel like they I, do. I mean, I guess if they have three or four teams that are really, really hot for Vatanen, and there's like, okay, we, we can... Is that the, I'm not, it's not the, the name, name of the podcast. No, That's, don't even say it. Uh, <laughs> then, they, then I guess maybe at that point, because you're pitting guys against each other, but they're going to look at you and say, you're going to lose him for nothing in a week. Yeah. What, what is your negotiating point? Colorado, part of it's got to be, what's taking you so long to make a move? I mean, Duchesne's been on the trade block now for a year and a half. Yeah, I mean, Colorado can't go into next season with the same team and the same head coach. I mean, maybe part of the problem with Duchesne is, is they're making it very clear that he has, that he has attitude issues. Maybe you shouldn't tell people that. <laughs> no, granted, people are going to do their homework and probably find that out anyway. But Yeah, but there's still a little bit of a difference between talking to former teammates or just kind of you know talking to people around the league and being like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe this guy isn't everybody's favorite. And then talking to his own front office, and they're like, you want him? Because we don't. That's a, that's a different way to make a trade. Interesting way to negotiate. Yeah. It, he may be a guy who needs a change of scenery, though, right? Yeah, could be. I mean, we've seen it happen before. But, mm-hmm. you know, you start to look at what Colorado's Ryan done. That's, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a really good example. All that one meant, meant just needed a change of coach. Yes, that's true, <laughs> too. But that's a, that's a different story. Is there... I, this is not a trade I think would happen, but if, if you're Colorado, I mean, would you trade him for one of these top three picks if it began... Like, Dallas picking third makes no sense at all to me. Why wouldn't they just trade the number three pick to Colorado? Colorado picks three and four. Dallas has Duchesne, and you're probably a cup contender. If assuming now Ben Bishop is your goalie, like why why wouldn't it be a trade like that? I, I, it depends if you really fall in love with somebody up there. Okay. A, again, we we've heard again ad nauseum for a year now. This draft isn't that great, but I'm sure there's there's some nuance there, and I'm sure there are teams like yeah maybe it's not so great in the back half of the first round or even the middle of the first round, but there are guys we like beyond the top two obvious names. But I don't know what if, what do I do if I'm Colorado because I have pieces on paper that say I should be able to be competitive soon. Yeah. But then I've watched them play hockey and say they're so far away from being competitive with com- players that should be good that I don't know what they're thinking and they get worse. That team is built <laughs> to be a playoff team within a couple of years. But they execute like they're the worst team in sports. And they're not changing coaches. I'm not saying it's, it's his fault, but they've already pretty much committed to Jared Bednar for next year. So you're not changing that. So you have to change players. You can't come back. I mean, they had one of the worst seasons in the last 20 years. You can't come back and be like, they were brutal. everything's yeah. good. They, they, the worst coach in the league quit, and they got worse. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of an issue. I, 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 how does a team with that much raw talent... Is, was he worse than Bill Desjardins? 
That's close. Billy D. Can we just call him Billy That's D? That's close. We should call him That's Billy close. D, especially with the mustache. I'll, I'll, I'll he does have the Billy D mustache, right? So Has he resurfaced anywhere yet? I don't know. It may be still going through plastic surgery. So To get that mustache removed? More than that. No, permanent. You can just go to Dollar Shave Club and get that. Are they sponsoring the show? No. <laughs> Not yet. Mind. Forget Not that yet. I said that. Not yet. Fair enough. Uh, anything else? I, I, I don't want to talk a ton of Coyotes, but I want to bring you back to this. Picking seventh in this draft and 23rd, um, I think the three of us are operating under the assumption they would love to trade that seventh pick for, for something that will help them now. I just feel like some, I will say it again, if that pick is used, something went horribly wrong. Yeah, I mean, they just couldn't get a deal, basically. If, if you have to make that pick, though, would they you make two first there? round picks this year? Something went horribly wrong. Yeah, that's fair. I agree, because, and this goes back to the Martin Hansel trade when people, and people still are lauding them for getting three draft picks, you know, you know and you can look at two of those picks and say, well, it's not the NFL draft. Yeah, no. No, it's not. Exactly. They didn't get anything that's going to help them in the immediate future out of that trade. So if you're not going to use the pick that you got out of that trade to get you something immediately, then, then I go back to the argument I made right after that trade, that they just pushed their future farther down the road like they've been doing for the last few years. And granted, you can say it's a process. It takes a while to build a cup contender, and you need to be high in the draft for a while, but it's it's already been a lot of seasons for the Coyotes. I know they didn't. This is really only year two of their rebuild. It's only year two of Chica too. Yeah. yeah. Trusting the process the hard way. Yeah, and and may, maybe you have to commit to that, but there's an opportunity here probably to accelerate the process a little bit. So you can't just say, well, we're just we're going to draft players. Are you really getting players first of all at seven and twenty three that are going to make a difference? Maybe, maybe Eight not. Seven, maybe, but. Probably not. Why not, why not try and accelerate a little by getting a player, an existing player? I think, I think they owe it to their fan base, to be honest, to go out and do that. And I don't think that sets the organization back in any way. I don't think it messes with the process anyway. I just think it, again, it accelerates things a little bit and acknowledges, look, we need to do something here. Actually, our place in the market also matters, not just our you know, blinders on our focus on our plan. It's been a long time since you made the playoffs, guys. You need to take that into account for a fan base that has been waiting for a long time. It's been a half decade now. Don't you think that was their motivation, though, when they made that trade? I mean, We'll see. The thing that that fuels the advocates of that trade's argument is Minnesota coming out and repeatedly saying how much they they regret doing it. So if you see a team do that. But the point is is it's not about Minnesota regretting it. No, but that's why people look at that. executing for Arizona. But I think the execution wasn't get get a second first round pick. It was get the pick and trade it for, or, then, or trade the first pick. You have to follow through. Yes, you have to follow through. And by the way, privately, what was also coming out of Minnesota is we're surprised that the Coyotes didn't ask for one of our prospects. A lot of people were. Yeah, I was. Surprised. And they've got good prospects. I'm an idiot. I was surprised. They have four or five, <laughs> four or five guys, yeah. four or five top line prospects. You should have demanded one of those. If you keep the seventh pick, if, if you do it voluntarily or it has to happen, what are you drafting? And this, this speaks to both of your points. The more I look at this draft, you're not getting a number one center with the seventh pick in this draft. You took a lot of defensemen last year. But still, what, when you look at the system, are you, do you look at their system and say, oh, they've got so many defensemen coming. Who do they have coming? No, they don't. And that's I, what I'm saying. I, I might like, draft a defenseman again, or I might draft a – it may just be best player available. They may take Owen Tippett, who some think that's could I'm be the most dynamic this. player in this draft. That's and he's thing. a right wing. Do you draft a wing that high? I don't know. Because you, you have – well, you have, you have arguably greater needs on defense, but the reality of the blue line in the NHL is those guys are going to need some time to cook before uh-huh. they even get here. That was my roundabout question, was basically getting to Owen Tippett, who you're right. A lot of people think – 
we look back in two or three years and he's the best player in this draft. And so maybe he's the one that where the Coyotes are picking could make the quickest impact, but you need another wing. Well, and, they do need a right wing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they, they, they need help on the right side of the entire team. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The Coyotes are in a spot where they could at least be competitive I like that for they're a left spot in two Sorry. or three years. They're in that spot where they could be a couple years away from that if they get some talent. But if they use those picks, just that two to three year timeline is going to slide like an entry level deal. It's going to slide one more year. If they use both those picks, they're going to be no closer to the postseason next year than they were this year. Agreed. And that's, that's probably the most salient point to make. If you, if you use both of those draft picks, this team really, aside from the development of the players that we're talking about, you really haven't moved much closer to being a playoff contender. And if you look at the list of free agents out there, if you're the Coyotes or any team that's trying to make up ground on the playoff teams this summer, it's not through free agency. It really no. isn't. No, I mean, it's not. If you look Sadly. at the free agency rankings, Martin Hansel's number five. Out of all players, every position. Kevin Shattenkirk's going to New one. York. But, but, yeah, but he's probably gone. And there's your number one. And T.J. Oshie is maybe the number two guy out I there. I wouldn't do T.J. Oshie. I he's another winger. And he I might know. go back to Washington anyway. He's, he's not a fit on this team. I, I, but I'm just saying for any team. You don't make that signing where the Coyotes are. That doesn't help. They won't. They won't. No, they right? won't go that, after T.J. Oshie. But that's my whole point. If you're going to try and get better now, it has to be through a trade. It just has to be. The mm-hmm. only guys that are serviceable in the free agent market this summer are either guys that you plug in if you're a team like the Coyotes to fill you know, your fifth defenseman or whatever, maybe your fourth defenseman, to fill some sort of hole, or it's a guy that a cup contender is going out and they're like, we need a wing. Or, you know, and Chicago can't add TJ Oshie, but if they could, wouldn't they do that? But even if it's for like a young player that's one or two years into his pro development, somebody that's, that, somebody that's not fresh out of the draft, somebody you have seen play AHL hockey or bottom six NHL minutes with top six upside, and they're on that progression. Yes. So you're not starting from square one. You already have a more tangible asset that you've seen play. They have to do something. I just think using those two picks is just it's yeah. gonna be an amazing I would, letdown. I would hope that, uh, you know, and we, we've, we've heard some things. I reported the other day that they have interest in Ponte Saberg. Fine, that's, that's great. That's the kind of player that you do want to add to your lineup. Speed, yeah. a little bit of skill. Is he going to be a top-line player? Probably not. I mean, you, you can't predict with 100% certainty, but he's probably not that impact player that you're looking for. He's just a guy that improves your forward group. I would hope that they would make one trade this year for an impact player. Add one guy to the mix who's young, use your assets, and get that done. That, that, that to me, is the biggest necessity of this offseason. If they're going to take Auberg off Nashville, well, they, they, may. Could, I they mean, could do yeah. that like before the game tonight. That would help me out quite a bit because <laughs> that guy is just, he, he seems like he's everywhere with the pocket. Just I'm the not going to be able to protect him. So, but, you know, other teams are going to be hunting around yeah, that as well. And again, it's, that's a play, it's a player you'd like to have and a player that improves your team, but not doesn't take it where it needs to go. Right. They need to make some sort of effort for somebody that is even of, if we talk about prospects, even somebody that's looked at like Dylan Strom's looked at. Somebody say, okay, we're going to take a chance that this player could be a top-line player, and we have seen enough in either the AHL or in limited time in the NHL that says, you know, we think maybe this could be the player. Would you guys go after any of Minnesota's defensemen? The rumored guys that might be available, <sighs> Matt Dumba. Matthew, or, Matthew Dumba, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Dumba's interesting because it feels like he's been on the trade block since the second he put on a wild uniform. And he, he's been getting better, I feel like, and he was a pretty highly regarded prospect when he first broke it. He was a first-rounder, wasn't he? Pretty fairly high, highly yeah. drafted first-rounder. I, I would go after him, but I don't know that that just instantly solves everything. No, I mean, how, how real is the Jacob Truba market again? I, I don't know if, that, if that, that ship has already sailed. I, just, I can't imagine Winnipeg would trade him. 
I can't either, but he was out there for a little bit. Again, I, that's again. I, I don't think that's likely, as we've talked about. But that, but maybe you entice them. You have two first round picks. You have a goaltender now. If, if he's available, that they're I'd interested. Go after him. Matt Dumba's, yeah, Matt Dumba's interesting. He's twenty two years old. He's six foot. He's he's a little on the small side, but maybe you don't care about that so much, especially in today's game. Yeah, he was the seventh overall pick in two thousand twelve. And he's gotten better each year. I mean, at 22, it's a right shot. you don't expect him to be. We, we talked about him as a potential fit for the Coyotes three months ago on the show. And, and, and now, I mean, obviously, if that's going to happen, it's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. So it's a bigger deal. But he, you're right. His name's been floated out there. You don't necessarily expect a defenseman to be at his best at age 22 unless it's Aaron Ekblad or somebody like that. I mean, number seven pick in the draft a couple of years ago, and he's getting better. That's interesting to me. But there, it's not a guarantee that you bring him in, and he's amazing. No, but that's a player that, again, you're going to need help on the right side in the second pairing as well. Yeah. Well, you're, Unless you're going to move Goligoski to the right side. And, I mean, there's yeah, a lot but, of, but they've, you know, they've, they've tried the mixes with Goligoski and EL and Goligoski and Chikrin. It just, it's, it's not a good fit. Their playing styles are not good fits, and that's too bad because that would be an option, right? You'd, you'd like to be able to move Goligoski yeah. to the right side. Who, who knows? Maybe they'll try it again. And try and figure some things out, but, but again, yeah. If, if you run down the left side of Ekman Larson, Goligoski, Chikrin, on the right side, you have insert number one defenseman here, right. right? Matt Dumba and Connor Murphy. Connor Murphy is ideally your fifth defenseman. All of a sudden, that doesn't look so it's bad. It's a really nice fifth defenseman. I mean, yeah. if that's your team and you're adding another number, if you're adding a number one on the right side, with Dumba is your two, that's but great. But then again, that that's two right-handed defensemen you have to add to get to that point. And that's that looks thing. pretty darn good right there. And I'd say that that's a hell of a one through six. That's a great defense if you could do that. But, but I think if you that's realistically, if you add Dumba. There's a decent chance he's your number one defenseman on the right side. He would correct? have to be. You would have yeah, to be, at least, for, to be at least at for the point. short term. All right, other uh, notes around the league real quick. Kings re-up with Tyler Toffoli. What is it, three years? I mean, he's the only good young player they have, basically. Yeah, have, like. have to do it, yeah. Uh, there's rumors that they're interested in Evander Kane. I don't really yeah, know what LA I, does at this point. I don't know what I do if I'm the Kings right now. They're They're in such a... They're in such a bad spot. I'd be calling Vegas every 15 minutes, offering them some of these bad contracts. Anything to take. I mean, you want a first-round pick next three years to take Dustin Brown and Marion Gabrick's contract. Take it. <laughs> Herschel Walker. Yeah. Take I, it. I don't know if I'd do that, but yeah, I would definitely – I'd at least be trying to get rid of one of those contracts. Uh, Ulf Samuels, assistant coach with the Blackhawks, how do you feel about this resident Putting Black the band back together. It's like all these Hartford guys. I know. I think it was Wyshynski that tweeted that they're going to start playing uh, – Brass Bonanza instead of Chelsea Dagger. <laughs> Blackhawk gets three guys on the bench that are for Whalers. I guess if Dave Tibbet ever lost his job, he'd, he'd have a home in Chicago there probably. You go. He'd have to, right? <laughs> and uh, head coaching vacancies still available. I would assume Buffalo and Florida are waiting for guys that are in the cup. You think? Maybe they'll just have no head coaches. Player coach. Which team is most likely Longer to not have a head coach? coach. Florida? Florida. Okay. We all agree, Craig. Well, I mean, I mean, Buffalo, I mean, I don't know. Jack Eichel, player coach, GM. That's a good point. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough argument, actually. Well, I, just, I mean, if, if, if Florida has, you know, argument. Florida's coach better have some military ties. Otherwise, I'm not sure Vinny Viola wants him. That's fair. All right. So any any speculation there? Anything that that's flowing? I mean, what are the names basically? Rick Tockett? Like Nashville's guys. I mean, Tockett's been out there. Yes, that is ping pong you hear in the background. Yeah. I don't know if they can hear that. Well, I guess oh, maybe we'll they can. Well, I guess we'll find out. Here, wait. I'll get closer. No. Okay. Final uh, final thoughts here before. You don't we want to talk Calgary relocation? Let's Brian Burke's coming. Yeah, we got to talk about Brian. Uh, oh, by the way, also, if you don't want a concussion, you should be a swimmer. That's what a one liner. <laughs> well, that's okay. Yeah, that that captures a good chunk of it right there. <laughs> yeah, I guess. We what what is there about to this. say about Brian Burke? Uh, it's all been said. It's before. Very honest. 
Uh, is it honest even, or is it just, uh, I don't know, shooting from the hip? What first thing that comes to mind? Well, no yeah. filter. Yeah, no yeah, filter. No filter. Uh, yeah, ask, ask Calgary ownership. It's rarely, rarely they have to, ownership has to release a statement after the team president has a press conference. I feel like you, you know what you're getting in yourself into when you sign Brian Burke in, in a prominent position of power. He's going to make some great hockey decisions, and you're going to have to clean up a couple PR messes. You knew this when you signed him. Come on. But he's, he's threatening. He's, he's not even threatening. He's saying if we don't get a new arena, we're going to leave. That, that's pretty. That's good PR. That's a pretty aggressive threat right there. <laughs> I mean, now you've been to Calgary's arena, and I, I agree with him. They they need something because wow. There's probably another way I to feel go like about it. Will Smith and Men in Black. Cause damn, <laughs> that's, they our, need a new arena. It's our first Men in Black. This is the one that was underwater. Show. If you remember, yes. <laughs> Do you remember those photos? They need a new arena, but but that's just probably not the most diplomatic way of going about the process. No, especially in the culture we live in now with arenas and tax dollars and public funding. and Not not that people in Phoenix know anything about that. No, 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 not at all. Uh, I got a question for you. (laughs) Wait, can I I just read Ken King's statement, though? Calgary Sports and Entertainment Corporation president and CEO made a statement hours after the luncheon in which Burke spoke. Brian Burke runs hockey operations for the Calgary Flames, and he and many Calgarians have strong views about this topic. However, he is not our spokesperson regarding a new event center for our city. We remain committed to our dialogue with the city and are very optimistic we will get to a positive conclusion. I feel <laughs> like he's somebody... Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, it, Like you said, you just sort of accept that this is who Brian Burke is, and occasionally you'll just say, yeah, no, he's wrong. I probably don't want Brian Burke sitting in on my meetings with the city. Let's just let's get that out of the way right oh, now. Oh, that's great. Now, you look at what's happened there. You know, Edmonton gets this sparkling. When he looks around Western Canada or, you know, any, anyone comparable, he's seeing the things that are happening with other teams. And Cal- look at what Calgary's playing in. Yes. No, I'm not saying he's wrong. It's just wrong how he's going about it. He has no time to be politically correct. <laughs> no, he also just doesn't Or to care. tie his tie, as we know. He's, he's very busy. All right, can I get to the uh, listener question here? Sure. You're not going to be able to answer it, I don't think, but uh, it's from at Greg Meal. Question for the next pod. What does Bearway buying out other owners mean for future of Coyotes, more spending, relocation, tribal land arena? Those are all questions, and we have part of a story, but we don't really have a full story yet. So I'll direct this to Craig, but I, I we may be better off waiting a little bit, right? We'd probably be better off answering this question in a week. I'll say that right now. What a um, tease. Yeah, not two weeks? Episode 89. No, actually, probably not two weeks. Episode. Probably in a week. Okay. But as far as the future of the Coyotes, uh, uh, shockingly, there's, there's talk of relocation again. I, I know you're all shocked. No way. People talking about Seattle, which is going to be an expansion team, so stop that. Seattle's not going to be a relocation. It's always going to be. Unless it's Calgary, of Nobody's course, that goes stop. to Seattle. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Quebec, no, they'll get an Eastern Conference team. They've got a couple that that are possibilities there as well. But look, Gary Bettman's not keen on relocating anyone because it's really bad for business. Yeah, yeah. And expansion fees are good for business. Yes, expansion fees are really good for business. But if the Coyotes were to relocate, it wouldn't be to Seattle. I could tell you a couple other markets, but it wouldn't be to Seattle, Okay. okay? But to sort of... Calm fears among Coyotes fans. At least they are by no means at the point where they're thinking we need to leave town. They are. They are working through. There. There are things going on behind the scenes. I will tell you that there are always things working, of course. And and you know we've heard from Anthony LeBlanc in the past. Lots of promises. Lots of statements. You're probably not going to hear much from the Coyotes on this topic. But there is a lot 
of activity going on. They are working hard on this arena situation. Whether they get anything done, I have no idea. But they are working on it, and the league is nowhere near the point where they're saying, we need to pull the plug on Phoenix. They don't want to pull the plug on Phoenix because there's nowhere better to go. That, I think, is the most important thing I would take if I'm a Coyotes fan. The league still wants the team here, maybe even more so now than, than a couple years ago, if anything. But the league wants the team here, and ultimately the league makes the final call. So that's not a guarantee of anything, but yes, that's worth Thank remembering. you for stating that as well. People are like, oh, Barraway's just going gonna to move the team. It's not up to Andy Barraway. He can't move the team if he wants to. It's up to the league. It's up to the Board of Governors. That's who decides when a team relocates. Andy Barraway doesn't just buy the team and say, yeah, we're, we're going to Kansas City. It's not happening. How it works. And also, it's just the fact that we're not hearing arena news every day is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it's probably a good thing considering how accurate slash thing, how things change so much in this. There's Call me when something is concrete. Literally. Yes. When they're building a concrete arena, right? So, yeah. Okay. Not building not relationships two, again, two right? Weeks. They're trying to build relationships. All right. To get this done. Fair enough. We wrapping up here? I think the game's about to start. About an hour away, and yeah. Craig and I have a seven-hour drive-through traffic. So, excellent. Hopefully, this game goes six overtime, so we can watch it. All right, for Jamie Eisner and Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hat Trick Podcast.